The thing about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. We probably don't even need the words, the Name Your Price tool, to tell you that our humpback whale pup gives you options based on your budget. Or that our novelty hand buzzer helps you save on car insurance. And that's the thing about the tiny felt bag filled with marbles. At this point, you've heard a lot of ads about the elusive northern bobcat. The Name Your Price tool. <clears throat> the neighbor who baked you banana bread. Only from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dhamini, and you're listening to Gender Question. Here, we will look at an issue that's in the news using the lens of gender. The idea is to take a blind spot and throw some light on it. As September 6 marks the second anniversary of the decriminalization of homosexuality, it's a good moment to reflect on all that has been achieved outside the courtroom as well. Parmesh Shahani heads Godrej India Culture Lab, a cultural space that brings together the best minds across art, culture and politics to converse and collaborate. He recently came out with a book, Queeristan, LGBT Inclusion in the Workplace. It not only speaks about his personal journey in corporate India, but also comes across as a handbook for corporates who are keen to learn about LGBT inclusion. What follows is an edited interview. The book, of course, is called Queeristan. It's about LGBTQ inclusion in the workspace, in the Indian workspace. You yourself have been doing a lot of work uh, on diversity inclusion, uh, particularly with regards to LGBT folk. Um, what I want to understand is... It's a very big book. I think uh, that itself is an indication that there's a lot of work that has been happening. Why is so much work needed? Why is it so tough? Well, because throughout the country, right? It's, um, I mean, over so many years, I think there's the context of this is very important. So the yeah. context is in a sense, the book builds upon decades of activism, Um, and work on the ground, right? Legal, health, social, so much. A lot of the change, the change has to come on multiple fronts. While certain changes can be brought through, you know, law, and we would really like, uh, you know, other laws, right? So we would like an anti-discrimination, a comprehensive anti-discrimination law in the country. We would like the Trans Act to be, uh, you know, modified from its current form to be way more, you know, useful to the trans community and not as discriminatory as it is. We would certainly want other laws, whether it is marriage um, or other kinds of things, right? So while we can wait for these changes to happen through the law, um, we really need to bring about changes on other fronts, right? Through social change, um, whether through media, um, you know, through changes in people's homes, right? With, With families being accepting and other things, and certainly workplace. One thing that this book showed me was how much behind the scenes work goes into getting uh, an organization to recognize the need for policies that help somebody feel included. There has been a great amount of resistance. At least that is something that one has uh, felt by reading between the lines in your text. A great amount of resistance from corporate houses to, uh, I don't know, like change the status quo to really sort of, you know, like, just put the book down and say, yes, okay, you know, LGBT people exist and we really just need to make policies, you know, that are in line with with what they need. 
why has that resistance existed? And what is the kind of resistance that you may have yourself encountered uh, even as you sort of went through your journey? I mean, please answer this, yeah. whichever sort of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chronology. So there has been, yeah. yeah, so I agree um, there has been resistance over the years. But yeah. as I say in the book as well, a lot of the resistance comes from ignorance and not overt homophobia. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, we can work with that because, mm-hmm. you know, ignorance can be dispelled. And mm. one of the reasons I've written this book is to dispel that kind of ignorance. And one of the reasons I've written this book in this particular way is to dispel mm. that kind of ignorance, right? Right. Um, uh, you mean like in a chatty, chatty sort of like, like my personal experience? Chatty book, but mm. also a revelatory book about my own life, about the lives of so many other people. So yeah. it's not just a book about policies and processes and business yeah. cases. It's yeah. a book about people. Yeah. It doesn't just tell you, if you do this, you know, of course it tells you if you do this, you will benefit in so many ways in terms of that, but also tells you through that own person's voice yeah. that when you support an Anubhuti at Tata Steel yeah. and take her on this journey of, you know, by supporting her gender transition, yeah. um, by paying for the affirmation surgery and everything else, look at how that unleashes the power of Anubhuti to be an innovative yeah. change maker in your company and how it benefits you as well as Anupati, right? It takes yeah. you through these personal journeys, right? Yeah. When um, when an Amazon and then a Swiggy supports Samyukta Vijayan to start, you know, uh, to go on this inclusion journey, look how Samyukta is able to open the doors for so many others, right? When yeah. a Lalit group of hotels supports Mohil, who's a trans man who is going through this difficult phase in his life. Yeah. And, you know, look at what that does in terms of like, you know, loyalty, you know, you've created a loyal employee for life and that you have benefited so much more. It tells you that through their personal lives and stories. Yeah. It also personalizes it because a lot of people reading it, I want them to feel yeah. that tomorrow, what if my son or daughter might be queer? Yeah. What if my sibling is queer and I'm not, and I'm not brought it up? Sure. It, I want them to reflect on that as well. So, I mean, we do it through stories, but one of the reasons of writing in this way was because I realized that a lot of people were well-meaning, but ignorant. Right. Um, right. So I've set it in corporate India because it's a world in which I've entered, you know, yeah. some years ago. I recognized early on that a change will come from multiple spaces. It will come from courts, it will come from families, but it will also come from our workplaces. Mm. And I realized that all around me, there was an interesting ecosystem being built at the workplace. Mm. which I was part of, which I was co-creating among so many others, right? Mm. Like I was doing this at Godridge. There were so many others doing it at other companies, whether it's a Ritesh at IBM, mm. whether it's a Kusuma at Intuit, so many others, right? Um, whether it was a Ram and Srini who were doing DNA in their own companies, but then started Pride Circle, right. which now organizes job fairs and so on. Right. Whether it's um, Anilam, uh, who was at Goldman Sachs, right? Neelam Jain, who founded Periphery, which is one of the most amazing transgender placement uh, consulting companies. Right. Um, so I realized that around me, this ecosystem was being built of people who were fighting for change within the corporate world, you, using DNA as a platform, which also by itself was getting, gaining global resonance in the yeah. past decade. Yeah. Um, there were people building an ecosystem of entrepreneurship around inclusion. Yeah. There were people building training spaces, you know, a Solidarity Foundation in Bangalore or Tweet Foundation in Bangalore. These are NGOs that work with trans people and other marginalized communities to give, to do skill building, to do training. Yeah. Um, there were well-meaning companies that were saying, we want to do this, show us how. So I think there was an ecosystem being formed 
and there was ignorance within the corporate world a couple of years ago uh, my colleague vivina and i um, uh, at ht we decided to sort of like really do a deep dive on how many companies actually have uh, even a recognition that they need a policy of diversity and inclusion and we weren't simply looking at lgbtq uh, policies but that was actually around the time that your working paper on uh, uh trans inclusion i think was about to come out uh, or it that came out nanika that nanika that nanika and me wrote at the culture yeah. wrote, right right yeah. so yeah. uh so we reached out to about the top 100 uh between us we reached out to the top 100 uh, bse companies yeah. okay listed on the bse and uh, i don't really remember the numbers right now but i think uh, i think more than 80% didn't respond Yeah, uh, roughly around eighty percent didn't respond, and of the twenty that did, uh, that did yeah. respond, uh, I think that uh, maybe it, it was probably between five to ten percent of the companies that actually did have uh, uh, a diversity inclusion policy, and of that percentage, I think like some two or three percent actually had something relating to LGBTQ people. So, yeah. in that kind of gamut now the thing is we don't know about the 80% maybe you know they they do they had it or they didn't have it we can't make any conclusion but i think it is safe to assume that if they did they would have responded to us right anyway so with that caveat in mind we have an entire gamut of companies right which is really about you know the companies making india's economy right and in that sense the top 100 in the bse index and uh, how many of them are actually actively thinking about diversity inclusion so i think it was around that time i mean eventually yeah. we didn't end up doing the story because you know i mean yeah. we can't run a story unless we have everybody's yeah. responses and so on so we couldn't make that claim back then but i think that for both of us it was very telling that uh, diversity and inclusion while it may seem like there's a lot of conversation happening right it's conversation the actual work you know and the actual sort of policies yeah. that are being made are not really necessarily there uh, and i think that your book is kind of a testament to that as well corporate india does not work on reservation right there is this um, uh, narrative of for example meritocracy and i think that for many of us who believe in the politics that seek reservation for marginalized identities uh, i think that we also recognize that meritocracy is also a flawed narrative right completely Now, so i want to understand because you are really at that intersection and i'm sure that uh, i mean i actually more for my understanding and <laughs> trying to figure out how to how does one really understand this where do you stand with this is this an uneasy kind of a space for you is this something that you ask yourself a lot how do you how do you grapple with this no it's not uneasy and i write about this in the book as well i recognize that my position is tenuous i recognize that i am in a fragile position i recognize that um the structure within which i operate um you know and my own marginal position in that gives me very little room uh uh in mm. that sense but however i've got a toehold and mm. i say that right i've got a toehold i've got a vantage point i'm going to use it to the best that i can mm. it won't be perfect i say that right at the beginning i realize that you know the changes i'm asking for are are within a structure with which itself i question right uh, but having said that i do the best with what i can where i can uh, because i've also you know i've studied theory a lot um yeah. and for me since i see my queer brothers and sisters all around me 
I want to work in the realm of practice. Yeah. And in practice, it is do whatever you can to the best of your ability. So if I have a toehold, yeah. will I talk about the fact that, and this comes up in the book as well, right? It's a conversation with Zaina where we talk about positive discrimination yeah. and why corporates need to think beyond uh, merit, right? There's a whole chapter in the book where we talk about that. And we just say, and I talk about my own company, very talented trans candidate, uh, made it through. And then was said, maybe, you know, your work experience is, is more in the NGO space and we're looking for someone more, right? I mean, so I talk, I reflect at that and, the, you know, and the, that's the point, right? How do we get corporate India to understand, um, including my own company, that some, maybe we should like be reimagining this idea of merit and we should look at translatability. Yeah. And we should say that this candidate has four years of great NGO experience. Yeah. That there is a reason why this candidate has not worked in the corporate world because of the structural inequality. Also, yeah. you're seeing more and more people like me who sit in this, in the hyphen, right? So it's not who sit in this hyphen between, um, I mean, if you read the book, you realize, right? The book is full of so many friends across the spectrum. Right. Across the professional spectrum, across the political spectrum, across the social spectrum. And there are now, I think all these different spaces are also changing, right? So what does it mean to be in business um, when you have humanists like me who are entering business and who are questioning it? Understanding right. that our position is small and marginal, but from that vantage point, we're saying, can we reimagine HR? Can we reimagine so-and-so, right? Sure. What does it mean for the NGO world? when there are now trained MBA strategic people who are now, you know, trying to bring a certain kind of, whether it's scalability, I have issues with scalability, but even the NGO world is changing, right? It is now in terms of strategic philanthropy, CSR, whatever. It's, mm. it's re what does it mean for the government? So I think a lot of these institutions now are kind of, I wouldn't say morphing into each other, but are kind of shape-shifting. So I think a lot of the change that you're going to see in future are going to be shape-shifting institutions staffed by different kind of people who are entering them and who are questioning and saying, can we do things differently? What if we thought about this? Hmm. What if it was, what if we collaborate? Have you encountered, for example, uh, um, or, or the people that you know who are also working in a similar field, encountered this kind of intractability? Uh, all I the time right all right. the time which is why i use tools right like cultural acupuncture which is why i find out what is the point at which i can press yeah. that will make a difference because there's resistance all the time from microaggressions to people at panels when they can talk about their straight families for hours but yeah. if i spend five minutes talking about my partner they'll say it was nice but you know i think you <laughs> you brought too much gayness into it or whatever, you know, why do you have to talk? It's very silly, right? That right. If I talk about my partner for five minutes, I'm bringing my sexuality to work. But you all talk about your straight families for hours and it's, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is small levels, right? From, from small things like this to other larger things. So, of like course, and it's frustrating. Like larger things like refusal to change policies. Like refusal to change policies, like, refusal to, I mean, you know, there are dimensions of inclusion, right? And I think in the corporate world, as you said earlier, certain things like LGBT and all have become easier over the years, especially after 2018 and so on. Yeah. There's a global conversation. It's easier to talk about LGBT yeah. or um, disability for that matter, PWT. 
Yeah. Uh, most companies are very comfortable in talking about gender, but there are other dimensions, whether it's caste, whether it's age, whether it's religion, whether it's, um, you know, so many other dimensions of inclusion that I think most companies, I would say most, uh, you know, um, organizations also are, are not comfortable with either discussing or working upon and so on. I'm very pragmatic, right? If I can change policies, yeah. I can change processes in um, wherever I can. If I can hire five queer people between now and then yeah. or 10 or 100, I'll yeah. be happy. Yeah. So there's a long game and there's an immediate whatever. Sure. Because my queer brothers and sisters are suffering right now. Yeah. If you look at the numbers, according to the last survey, 90% of trans people who are able and willing to work don't have jobs. Mm. I don't want to wait for 20 years. Mm. I want that. I want companies to create these things now. Right. I want proactive hiring now. I want sensitization now. Mm. I want people who are already employed. If four to 10% of any work, any population is queer, any company already has queer people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want them to have benefits now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, it's not a dichotomy. It's a, it's parallel processing. Okay. So I, I want to actually just probably end with this question, which is, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to sort of refer back to that story that Vivina and I were working on where we reached out to these, you know, hundred uh, top companies, with BSE. And, um, you know, simultaneously, we were also reaching out to insurance companies. We were also trying to speak to, um, you know, some of the, uh, other players within the corporate world to try and understand what exactly is the kind of policy change, right, that would benefit somebody who belongs to the queer community in a corporate organization. Whether or not they avail of it is a different matter, but that it should be part of the bouquet uh, that is available uh, generally as an employee. Try and explain to us uh, maybe the top three um, policy requirements for a queer employee and what does it take for this for this to to happen for a company to be able to give this to their employee i think it takes very little and that's the point that's what companies need to realize you have to do it might it's it might seem like rocket science mm. but actually you have to give queer people the same benefits you give your straight people gasp <laughs> <laughs> Equality. <laughs> what a novel idea. Right? But that's what it is. So it takes very little. You don't have to do anything extra. That's the point. So the same benefits that you're giving a straight employee, right? Straight employees are not discriminated for who they are. Most discrimination policy says we shan't discriminate against you for caste, class, religion, so many paradigms. You just have to add over there sexual orientation, gender, etc. Because right. you've not thought about it. What does it take? Zero rupees. You're just changing one Microsoft Word document on your server and you're forwarding it to everyone. Sure. Same-sex partnership benefits doesn't cost you much. Your insurer is. And you know what we have realized? Insurers are very willing to cover. This is what companies have realized in India for the past so many years. Insurers are very willing to cover everything. Hmm. If you have a problem, just tell them we'll take it away. We'll go to another insurance provider. Because now there are so many companies which have got this whole suite of benefits. Okay. Same-sex partnership benefits what? It's very easy. We have it at Godric. So many other companies have it. Anyway, you're not doing anything extra, no. If the person was straight, the person would be adding spouse, 
parents. Yeah. So many companies, more, so many progressive companies are saying you plus two or you plus three. Correct. Who you decide is your family. I see. So in my case, it is my two parents and my partner. I see. So, so many companies are widening and saying you decide, right? It could I be see. whatever. And you what see, the companies are no longer uh, providing. No, it costs you zero. You don't have to pay any because the same, whatever premium you are paying, you will pay. Okay. They charge your corporate premium based on number of employees and who they think are dependents. Sure. Sure. So, you know, with queer people, sometimes they get discount. No, because <laughs> we are not putting one extra person. There is no plus dependent. two, plus three. <laughs> so now all we are saying is just yeah. allow us to put out this. It doesn't sure. cost you anything. It's zero. And so basically don't make it about the relationship. So, so allow the person to choose the relationship that they want to add. as. And the- all progressive companies across the company are doing this. Right. They're saying, un- why wait until the law of the land decides whether queer marriage or not is this? That is another journey. Yeah. For us, if you say this is your partner, if we are trusting you to work in our company and we are trusting you with company secrets worth so much, yeah. surely we will believe when you say this is your partner. <laughs> surely you cannot, yeah, you do not jest when <laughs> you say this. Correct. Sure. It's the same, right? Now, right. So I think all the benefits, the basic premise is that whatever you're giving straight people, you have to give queer people that you don't have to give anything extra. So many companies think, oh, we gender now gender affirmation is becoming a norm. And why? Because companies have realized, right? For so many companies, I don't know what it is with your organization, but assume say at Godridge, everyone is covered up to five lakhs for insurance, right? Different companies have different, some cases, two, some cases, three, some cases, five, whatever, right? Right. So for all employees, now we say everyone is covered up to five lakhs for health insurance or whatever for Anna. We have worked and so many insurance providers are doing this with insurance providers who say that as part of that health insurance cover, gender affirmation is included in that, Hmm. which means that should you wish to transition, Hmm. you can avail of that same limit that everyone else is availing of Hmm. for your transition, right? Hmm. Insurers are very happy to do this because insurers know Mm. Out of all the hundreds and thousands of people in a company, there are there will be a few, four to ten percent who will be queer. Of that, there will be a percent that will be trans. Of that, some might want to transition. So the cost for their insurer is nothing. Mm. Mm. So they understand that. So most insurers are covering it. Most companies are offering it. People have irrational fears, and this is one of the things I hear all the time. Oh, if we order, if we allow uh, gender affirmation, no all these hundreds of trans people will join us and then they will all want to transition. And my answer to that is if hundreds of trans people join you, it's good. And if they all want to transition, it's good. But it's not like, you know, it's not so easy. (laughs) It's not like going to a mall or whatever, right? To transition, you have to have, you have to do counseling, you have to do therapy, you have to be, uh, you know, you have to be declared that you're willing to transition. Then it's a painful process. So people transition only when they feel the need for it. Right. And if they are transitioning, you as a responsible employer have to facilitate that and say, this is, this matters to you. Right. And you're not paying anything extra. That is the ultimate thing because companies understand that. No, you're not paying anything extra. Right. <laughs> so I think to explain that to companies, right, all you're doing is doing the same. If you have any questions, do reach out to me at the rate Dhamini on Twitter. You can also leave your feedback at HT Smartcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.
I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising a Pro. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.